Season's greetings, faithful listeners. Welcome to the last Brothers in Song episode of 2022. How's it going, Joe? Are the uh, good tidings of the season warming the cockles of your heart? <laughs> I mean, I I suppose they are. Um, you know, it's always a busy time of year. We had some friends over last weekend, so that was a little bit of a, uh, a thing, a fun thing, but lots of lots of preparation in the um in in the leading up to that and now we're in the holiday season of cheer and merriment and i, and I did you just have a sip of eggnog are you having eggnog on this non-christmas christmas episode what's going on it's not eggnog it's actually coquito oh nice which, nice. which is which for folks who don't know is sometimes referred to as Puerto Rican eggnog. And while it does share some physical characteristics, it's a very different recipe. Very different. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah, I made some with my friend uh, a few nights ago and we split the batch and beautiful. Had some in my fridge. Awesome. Awesome. Very festive. I, I have I have a nice little side card here because I had some scotch lying around uh, right. from this party that I had. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, it's good. It's good to be here with you. I'm glad we give one final um, hip hip hooray for our faithful listeners for this uh, this year. Because you know, I, just randomly, I was looking at our feed on Spotify or Apple Music. I forget which. We've done a lot of these this year, even though it's been a busy year for both of us. So good job by us. Yeah, uh, tw- twenty episodes, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a couple more, but yeah, yeah. yeah very good. So um, we, we've got some some Christmas. We got a lot of Christmas related content, holiday related content for this sure. episode. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so stick around. Maybe you've got a, a big tree to decorate. You can just leave this on. It will give you plenty of time to, to decorate. Uh, you you want to go first, Joe? With your sure holiday sure. question. So, so me and my family, it's a Saturday here in Connecticut. And so what do you do? We threw in a holiday movie for the kids. And uh, Home Alone is a, is, a, is a family favorite, not only for me, but even my kids love it. Of course they would, right? Because it's, it's awesome. So oh, yeah. my question for you, buddy, because we watched this movie many, many times together, and I'm sure separately as well, is if you had to choose, would you rather be Harry a.k.a. Joe Pesci, or Marv, Dan Stern, in the movie of Home Alone, and all the uh, awful things that happen to each of those characters. Which one is is your... Uh, is the one you could palette more? Well, I, I thought this was going to be a tough choice, but as I'm thinking about it, hands down, I'm, I'm being... I'm Marv. <laughs> I'd rather be Marv because Harry gets burned. That's the biggest thing. Like Harry yeah, gets yeah. burned a couple I, times, I think. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, he. I guess they both get hit in the face with a paint can. Um, but yeah, like I don't want to deal with with burns. That's <laughs> that's the big thing for me. Well, I I hear you because like, well, you are correct because I just watched it. I checked the tape. They do, in fact, both get hit in the face with paint cans. But 
like I feel like for Harry, it's like permanent injury. Like you're gonna like you're gonna have a huge scar in your hand from from touching the the knob, and your head gets gets set on fire. That's not great. Yeah, and Marv hits him in the chest with a crowbar. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about like collapsed lungs. And, uh, I mean, and if you really want, you know what? If you really want to be entertained, you got to find uh, uh, a YouTube video of. Um, there, I think there's a couple of them around of a trauma surgeon going through all the injuries in, in oh, Home Alone gosh, and like yes. what would actually happen to you if you if you were in that scenario. Well, what it's I would say, funny. what I would say is, Mar probably gets concussed more. He probably has at least three concussions from, from, from his ex- escapades in the, um, in the McAllister house. Yeah, minimum, yeah. minimum of three could be more. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a good choice anyway. You, you go about it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, so what about you? I, I hear you also had a little bit of a holiday question for us. So, so lay it on me. This is something that's been debated and seems to get debated every holiday season. So I wanted to get your take. Sure. And that is, do you believe that the 1988 classic film Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Um, without question. I don't care what, what Bruce Willis says. Does he There's say lots. it's not? Oh my God! Yeah, he's he's oh, okay. like adamant it's not a Christmas movie. But listen, if it takes time, it takes place during Christmas time. It's a Christmas movie. There's Christmas trees. They're at a holiday party. Like, yeah, that's the whole setting of the thing. Yeah. Sure, it's not your your run of the mill Hallmark Christmas movie, but to me, uh, it's a Christmas movie and it has a happy ending. Yes. If you want to watch it during Christmas, great. If you want want to watch it any other time of year, fine. Yeah. But yeah. to me, I, I I I am in the it's it can absolutely be a Christmas movie if you want it to be. What about you? Yeah, that's exactly my sentiment. It's a Christmas movie if you want it to be. Sure. You know, if you look forward to watching it at Christmas, if if you can't get into the Christmas spirit without seeing Hans Gruber fall from the top of the Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> Then I say, uh, yippee ki motherfucker, do it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So that kind of, in a roundabout way, uh, yeah. brings us to the topic of today's show, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if Die Hard can be a Christmas movie, can these songs we're about to discuss be Christmas songs? Uh, we're going to be talking about Christmas songs that are not Christmas songs and regular songs that could be Christmas songs. Christmas adjacent songs, yeah. they 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 inhabit some sort of liminal space mm-hmm. between holiday songs and regular music, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, uh, if you'll indulge me, may I give a couple Please. of examples? Please. So people kind of know yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a while back we did an episode, uh, Joni Mitchell's Blue, mm-hmm. that album, and on. Uh, that album there's the song river uh it kind of borrows some music from the song jingle bells and it Mm -hmm. does mention christmas and there have been a couple of artists who have included that song on their christmas albums including james taylor Mm -hmm. 
is that a Christmas song? I don't know. Another one, uh, you know, music from the Nutcracker is featured mm -hmm. during Christmas time all the time. Uh, uh, nearby to us uh, in the Bushnell, um, just a wonderful performing arts space in Hartford, Connecticut, they put on the Nutcracker every Christmas. But much like Die Hard, <laughs> the story <laughs> the story takes place at a Christmas party, but it's kind of incidental to the overall plot. If the Nutcracker mm -hmm. has a plot, yeah. So so those are the kinds of songs we're going to be talking about, uh, and we want to let you know that we will have a playlist linked in the show notes, so you can check those songs out. And um, you were you were going to give me the honor of of going first with my first selection for this. Yes, end. absolutely. And and I, I would say for friends that are new to our show, if you would like more traditional music, you should go back and look at our Christmas spectacular episode that we recorded around the same time last year. And actually we reposted it not so long ago. So it should be right at the top of your feed if you're interested in those 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 classics that really blow the roof off places because we we gave a couple of real real humdingers on that episode. So. <laughs> humdingers, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for more more traditional Christmas fare, definitely check out that episode. Please, let's get us started. What what is your favorite? What is one of your favorite uh, non Christmassy but could be Christmassy type of songs that we have on this list? So. My first selection is a song called The Christians and the Pagans. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a song written by singer-songwriter Dar Williams. Mm -hmm. um, I love her songwriting. I've seen her live like two or three times. She's definitely kind of a throwback yep. folk singer in the best possible way. Yep. Her songs often have a social message. And this song tells the story of an ostensibly lesbian couple mm -hmm. who go and visit one of their uncles who is Christian. You know, they, they visit on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And it's a song about trying to relate to people who have a different worldview than you. Uh, and people talk a lot about setting differences aside during holiday gatherings and how difficult can be it can be. But I don't really know of any other songs talk about that in quite the same way that this song does um mm -hmm. you know and at the end of the song none nothing is really resolved but everyone but everyone tries their best even though it's uncomfortable yeah and the song kind of recognizes how hard it is to lean into that discomfort for the good mm -hmm. of your mm -hmm. the relationships in your life mm -hmm. um so i don't know if you knew about this song at all joe what what were your some of your thoughts certainly not i i was new to dar williams before you um put this on our list and she's great and i could totally see why that's that's right up your alley and it's like you know a beautiful you know folk sound that you would expect from singers of you know coming up in the mid 90s and um so this one was I appreciated its honesty because I feel like it's common enough that people <laughs> go into family settings and there's very different religious or political views. And um, but 
it's okay to embrace those differences and do it in a, in a healthy way. And, you know, my favorite line <laughs> of this song, which always made me laugh as a, every time I listened to it was when her nephew's like, can I become a pagan too? It's like, well, yeah. we all kind of observe pagan traditions in one way or another, and that's okay. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun. I thought it was really cleverly written and um it's somebody who I didn't know of, but I would be interested in hearing more of her music because I thought it was it was a really uh, it was really easy an easy to listen to folk song. Um, but yeah, I like this one. I, I would say though, if I was gonna make like a holiday playlist, I don't know if I'd put this one on there. It would kind of depend on my crowd. <laughs> but I, I I did I did appreciate it. I. Obviously, you you've known this one for a while. Um, do you listen to it often, or is it just something that kind of randomly pops up here and there? Yeah, it kind of pops up here and there. Um, and I mean, I think I would put it on a Christmas playlist for myself. Sure. You know, you usually I'm not hosting, you know, too many people for a big Christmas party or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I I would definitely put it on my playlist, which I'm gonna listen to in my car and that's probably sure you know, and i'm sure. probably the only person who who's who's gonna hear it very good very good all right so it's my turn next and uh i chose a winter song which is written by sarah borellis and ingrid michelson who are i know two of your favorites and um i'm sure you heard this song before but you know even though it doesn't explicitly call out any of this of the usual holiday traditions, I do feel like it's something you could definitely um, relate to at this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're getting into the period of time where, at least from my own perspective, living in New England for most of my life, like the holidays are great. January, February, and March following the holidays sometimes can get a little dark and gloomy just because, you know, there's not a lot going on. Depending on the weather, you can't really go too many places. And um, But with this song, what I really appreciated about it was just the beautiful songwriting and um, and this recurring question about, is love alive? And can we find a place where we can come together and, you know, feel something again? And, um, you know, it's just their voices mesh so well together, which is kind of interesting because I feel like they're both used to being the lead singer on everything. So -hmm. to have them come together and kind of uh, collaborate in a way that's, you know, a little bit of give and take and meshing well together, I thought was was really interesting. Um, but it's just a gorgeous song. And I thought it would be a nice one to throw on there if you didn't want to have a lot of the traditional um, holiday music that we 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 all know and love. So I'm sure I'm I'm pretty sure you've heard this one before and listened to it. Uh, yeah, I, def- I definitely have. And I do like uh ingrid michelson and sarah Bareilles. um i think uh if you listen to ingrid michelson's music she's 
she always writes such cool harmonies and um and the harmonies sound great on this as well for the, the both of them actually very successfully made a song with music that's evocative of the holiday season mm -hmm. even though the the lyrical content um doesn't really mention the holidays other than you know mentioning the month of December. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, if you have this, if you have this song on a playlist somewhere uh, with people around, I don't think people would mind it or even really notice that it's not technically a Christmas song because of how the music sounds. Sure, sure. Yeah, you get like that really like steady progression of the chords on the piano which could be equated with other types of carols and things of that nature mm -hmm. you know for me i would probably say this is like a really great like january february song i don't know if i'd put it on now i think i'd wait okay <laughs> maybe i'm contradicting contradicting what i just said but that's where i kind of lie with this one gotcha gotcha yeah, I mean, you know, I I tend to get tired of the, you know, the old standbys uh, mm -hmm. sometimes. So, you know, so I, I would definitely throw that one in there just to just for some variety. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, you're up next. What do you got? All right. So next, I have a song that I think the vast majority of our listeners know about. I wonder how many people know the song but have not actually seen the musical that it's, that it comes from. Mm. Uh, and the song is My Favorite Things. It's from mm -hmm. The Sound of Music, yeah. uh, written by uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. The song is almost you know, synonymous with Julie Andrews, who played mm -hmm. Maria in the movie version. Um, and for those people who have not seen the musical uh, or have not seen the movie because um, I think that the song is actually in different places in the story depending on whether you're watching the, the musical or the movie but anyway in the movie mm. Julie Andrews is singing the song to the Von Trapp children mm -hmm. she's nannying and she sings it to them during a thunderstorm when the children are kind of sad and and scared and it advises the children to think happy thoughts and and think of their favorite things when they're when they're feeling those those anxious feelings mm -hmm. but it doesn't take place at christmas no there's no no christmas anywhere in the story at all and i don't really know how this became a christmas staple there's got to be hundreds if not thousands of of versions of the songs on, on various Christmas albums, like department stores used it in their advertising and stuff. It's like, yeah. I, I just, it, it's perplexing. Uh, it, I mean, this might be the well, most well-known song uh, of the songs that we're about to uh, talk about, at least in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it's just baffling how it became associated with, with Christmas, <laughs> other than like, Give me my favorite things. I don't know. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's what people are thinking of when they use it in that way, but I completely agree with you because from the context of which that, you know, we talk about a lot of music on the show, but obviously the ones that take place in a opera or a musical or what or a movie, like they have a purpose in that larger piece of art. And you can't really ignore it and just uh, hijack it for your own purposes. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think. Um, but you can't, I, you I can't I, hijack it like the Nakatomi Tower. No, man, you're not Bruce Willis. Get out of here. You're not Hans Gruber. <laughs> like you're a Toyota commercial. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm curious because I had one very clear album from our childhood that. I remember this being on that was a Christmas album. Do you know which one I'm thinking of? Can can you guess? Oh man, is it the Barbara Streisand one? It sure is, man. It sure <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. like that's a great album because she just does all kinds of zany stuff with music on that and it's kind yeah. of fun for a holiday um album. But uh, but yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. It's a great song, but probably not a, not necessarily gets you in the holiday spirit. I I wouldn't think. I mean, to me, the holidays are not about gifts or getting gifts or giving gifts. It's it's more about um, people and spending time with each other and all that kind of business. So um, let's get the commercial out of. <laughs> commercialism out of Christmas and let's not put this on the Christmas playlist. Well, you know, it, it's funny you should say that because a lot of the, the images that are mentioned in the song, like we just talked about brown paper packages tied up with strings um, and, and where that's, where that's placed, you know, at the end of the line mm -hmm. makes it even more noticeable. Yeah. But you know, the things that, Maria is singing about is like raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, you know. Um, those are not really materialistic things. Those are things that you notice that are beautiful when you're taking the time, you mm -hmm. know. So I don't know. Um, but in the end, I just can't like get it out of my head that, you know, and maybe this is a stretch, but I feel like maybe the Von Trapp children are like having to think of those things as they're, you know, terrified and fleeing from Nazis over the fucking Alps. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and like you said, like you can't just like take that song out of a larger body of work and just co-opt it for your own purposes. No. Not allowed, not allowed in general, but definitely not allowed on this podcast. So right, right, right. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. So it's my turn next. So, of course, like we have to go into opera and classical music whenever we have one of these variety show types of episodes. Sorry, fans. And if you don't like it no, by don't. now, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, no, no, no. so, um, so I chose um, this glorious aria from Mozart's 
1791 opera The Magic Flute, or Die Zauberflöte, as they say in German. And it's um, Die Hollerachte in Kochten Meinen Herzen. And I'm not going to give you a synopsis of it because it's it's way too complicated. You kind of have to watch the whole thing. But the reason why I included it on this list is because when I was at the Met, and I'm pretty sure they still do it, they would do like this holiday presentation of the magic flute and they would uh, truncate it and they would do it in English. So you still got all the great hits of the magic flute, but it was probably 90 minutes as opposed to probably two hours and 15 minutes if, uh, if you didn't have all that uh, with it. And, um, you know, this is a firework show of coloratura soprano singing. It has a crazy amount of high notes in it. It's a very specific type of voice who can sing this way. Um, usually like a very high coloratura soprano. And, um, you know, when it's done well, it's just like, how does the human voice actually do that sound? Because I don't even know. <laughs> As a, as, a, as a male singer, I have no idea how that happens. Um, and I'm sure it puzzles many people, but it's pretty astounding when it's done well. Um, the recording I happened to share with you was Catherine Lewick, who is, um, for lack of a better phrase, she is kind of like the world reigning queen of the night. Like she basically sings it all over the world and uh, gets paid well to do so as she should. Uh, and she kind of doesn't really sing much else. Like, she just does the Queen of the Night everywhere in the world. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this before, but I was curious of your impressions of it, because we've never actually talked about it. I have heard this before. I don't know a ton about classical music, but this is kind of one of those things that you just kind of know. Yeah, um, like gets to, it gets to you somehow because it's such a well-known piece. And I was just really curious to know mm -hmm. why you included it. I was like, what could this have to do with Christmas? And I mean, I don't know the whole opera, but as I'm like reading about the piece and like watching the video you sent me and looking at the lyrics and stuff, I'm like, this is even more confusing <laughs> because like... You know, you, you gave us the title of the song in German and like most of the time that I've heard, like people uh, refer to this in English, they just call it the Queen of the Night Aria. But the actual title of the song is Hell's Revenge Boils in My Heart. Yes, that's correct. And I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe if you go to, you know, a really tense uh, family Christmas, maybe you do. <laughs> maybe, that, <laughs> maybe you do feel Hell's Revenge in your heart. Um but uh, yeah, so so it's sounding like you picked this because this was a staple at the Met during Christmas time it was. for some reason. It, it still is because it's like people are around and we would do like an open house. So the the production that that I think is still there, um, or maybe it was just sunsetted and they brought a new one. But it was the Julie Taymor production, which she famously did, The Lion King on Broadway, that ran for 20-something mm -hmm. years. So mm -hmm. there's lots of, like, puppets and things of that nature. And so what they would do is they would bring out 
actors and singers and instrumentalists and bring them out into the lobby and they would interact with kids because all during winter break etc it was a lot of fun but like you knew the magic flute was coming during christmas time it just was it was always there um but what's interesting is Couple things. One that you, I want to comment on. You said it's Queen and I Aria. Well, she actually has two Arias. So which one are you talking about, right? So you can't. No, I'm talking. <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about this one. I know you are, but like that's that's not because the first one I think is actually more beautiful, frankly, um, and also very impressive. But um, that's how people uh, describe it. And uh, for a little context, basically. She is pissed off at her daughter uh, for messing around with this prince. So that's why she's like, you're going to get my wrath. <laughs> when, uh, and she lets her daughter know um, through this aria. Um, I'm curious to hear your impressions of the actual singing. Like, do you understand how people do this? <laughs> I'm not very good at describing the physical characteristics of like what goes on in your face when and your you know and your your throat and like all that all the physical stuff that actually happens to make to make those sounds um but yeah i mean it's impressive it's a kind of an aspirational piece for sopranos Mm -hmm. to to sing that and there's this there's this one vocal line in the piece that's that's like one of the most famous <laughs> in yeah. like all of music um and um and it was really interesting to like really pay attention to it within the context of the whole song because it has like a totally different flavor to me than the rest yeah, of the yeah. than the rest of the song um and you know speaking of like truncating and editing out important <laughs> stuff in, in music. This song has been used in commercials too, but they just take that one little vocal line. That's the only piece of the song yeah. that people use. Yep. That one. It's amazing to listen to. It's amazing to, you know, watch the performance and see an up close look of the singer's face because it's just like it's just these are super high notes like the highest notes that people can sing basically yeah basically (laughs) and her face is just so relaxed yeah and just no tension whatsoever and and it's counterintuitive but like the only way that you can like strive for those heights is to relax yeah um So it's it's very cool. It's cool. Very cool. All right. So I would say that one's probably not going to get on, on many people's holiday playlist, but I no, felt like not on mine, but I, but it, it's it's it was worth it was great. worth a yeah. quick little discussion for us. So you're up next. What do you got for us? All right. So next we're going to talk about a song that I think we're both very familiar with. Mm-hmm. The song Long December. By the Counting Crows. I love the lyrics to this song. Um, and I, I I think it's I think it is somewhat related to uh winter song that we just 
talked about. Yes, yes, yes. And, and just, just that, the feeling of that time of year, um, when there really isn't anything going on if you live in a colder climate, and I don't know, you can call it like an opportunity, or you're, or you're forced to. Uh, take stock of what's happened mm -hmm. the rest of the year. Um, and there's kind of some mild optimism in the lyrics. Maybe this year will be better than the last. But there's just a lot of regret about missed opportunities and, you know, maybe even some seasonal affective disorder when, when Adam Duritz sings, it's been so long since I've seen the ocean. Yeah. Uh, yeah and yeah. as someone who really dislikes winter like i relate to that a lot sure um yeah. it feels like a new year's eve sort of song to me <laughs> um, I, I could definitely see that i could definitely see that and um you know you are correct this is one of my favorites by them we've we've talked about Condon crows i mean i suppose we could do a full episode on them but it would just be like a total like uh celebration of them because we just love them so much yeah both of us and we know their music so well um but this is just like uh, unbelievable songwriting and um i don't know it's for me i try to be optimistic at this time of year and for this one i feel like even though it's uh Even though there are points of optimism, I still feel like it's almost so much, there's so much regret in this song that I'm mm. like, oh man, as I like think about the year ahead, this is not something I want to examine, but it still is just a glorious song. Um, and, and the songwriting on it is, is pretty incredible. And it's like, this is like everything that you would ever want from the Counting Crows is in this song. Um, I don't know if, you, and like, frankly, like, if you don't like the song, I don't even want to know you. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even want to talk to you. I don't even want to know you. Like, <laughs> well, the the one caveat to that is, you know, maybe, maybe for some people, it's like a little, it's a little too much. Like, listening to, listening to sad or depressing songs is kind of like cathartic for me. But I could see how some people are like. You know, I, I just can't go down that road, you know. Well, I think that <laughs> I think that's fair. I think there's a time and place for it. I would say like December 24th is not the time and place for it. <laughs> Probably not. No, 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 no. But like if it's like, uh, I don't know, January 29th, you're like, yeah, maybe we need to like look back and look forward and make a plan. And I don't know. Got to ask. Is it making the Christmas playlist? I think I know the answer. For me, no. <laughs> It'll make many other playlists, not the Christmas one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, me too. Probably for for the for the reasons that that I mentioned. It's like, even though I even though I'm not crazy about winter, like Christmas is. We have a lot of great Christmas memories, but sure. it's not like it's not my favorite time of year. I might just leave this one to the side so I can just try to like, you know, 
cinch up my big boy pants and have a and try to have a good time. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this song's not going to help you do that. No, this song is going to make you want to like sit by the fire in the dark and like <laughs> think about all the the mistakes you've made. <laughs> Fantastic. Um. All right. Well. With, with that out of the way, <laughs> um, what, what's your next choice, Joe? So this is um, just this uh, fucking glorious song, Sleep, by Eric Whitaker. It was an acapella rendition that I sent to you. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it touches on a lot of things that we've talked about today. And with the pagan traditions and the season's ending and... Those sorts of things. And, you know, you do feel like when you're in winter and you're coming to the end of the year, it's time to sleep in a way. And I think yeah. some of us may, might choose to hibernate for a couple months if we could. Um, but I was just so struck by the beauty of this arrangement and the sentiment of the song that I had to include it in this. And the arrangement that I sent you, which I hope we can find on Spotify, is by Voce 8. So it's an eight-person acapella choir. And acapella music is something I've always been fascinated by. Um, So I thought this was like a good little taste of that for folks of things that I like to listen to. Um, And the harmonies are just gorgeous. They have the perfect amount of dissonance and then resolution to them Mm. um and it at the end you do really come to a point at least for me a point of peace and and even if it is quiet and dark i feel like you're still kind of hopeful for what's to come next this was a cool one for me I, i i'm curious to hear what you thought of it yeah, I mean, it's just a gorgeous, ethereal piece, like the a cappella arrangement is, uh, is wonderful, and it's performed expertly. And uh, even without being able to hear all of the words, because it's obscured by, you know, all the overtones um, singing in the big space that they're singing in, mm-hmm. um, it is another one of those songs that's kind of evocative of the of the season somehow i feel like it bears some sort of uh similarity to uh certain types of religious christmas music you know in that way you you could put this on on a christmas playlist very easily um and and have it uh and have it fit in and i would certainly do that just to have an excuse to listen to it because it's a beautiful piece um, you know, I'd be interested to know a little bit more about, about the, uh, you know, the writer and, um, you know, what, what he was actually getting at. Mm-hmm. If, if you have that information, uh, to give us a little summary. There, there wasn't a whole lot that I could find. I get the impression that it was just written as a thing without any like overarching connotation to it. 
Um, I feel like, like to your point, if you put the word baby Jesus in this once, <laughs> then it's like, oh my God, this is like one of the best Christmas songs we could ever have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember last year we were talking about a little drummer boy. And we're like, Mary just got the baby down. And now this, <laughs> this kid comes in banging a drum. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is not yeah. that. No, but, no. So I, I, I don't really have like a complete answer to that. But one thing I did just want to mention, which is really, and it's a credit to the choir. And I'm sure that there are other arrangements that are um, also probably quite um, effective. But what's interesting about acapella singing is that like there is little to no vibrato in the vocal lines because they're trying so hard to keep the harmonies tight. And when you have yeah. vibrato, your tone fluctuates slightly. It's You're still in pitch, but right. it does. And, and what you mentioned made me think of this, which is the overtones, which when you sing in sort of like a straight tone voice without any sort of vibrato in it, it's if you're in tune, it's actually pretty easy to find that. Um, and some of the best acapella singing that you can find really embraces that style. Um, and I thought this was a really good example of that. And it's not appropriate for everything, but in this type of singing and for this type of piece, it's actually quite effective. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and my last thought on the whole thing, um, you know, this concept of like, of sleep, of rest, of, you know, allow, you know, allowing yourself to be in the rhythm of the season mm -hmm. and sleep when nature is sleeping mm -hmm. is, is something that, that our culture does not do at all. No. And in fact, the way that we end up celebrating Christmas in contemporary life, it's like, it's just the opposite. You have yeah. more stuff to do. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it kind of, and I feel like it goes against our natural rhythms. Um, and this, this song, like, could be a way for you to, you know, especially, you know, you put your earbuds in so you can really hear it well and not have any uh, outside noise affect your, mm. your listening. Like you could listen to this song for however long it is, five, five, six minutes, whatever it is. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, give yourself that time to be, you know, to be present. And like that, I feel like that song could, you know, could help you through those hectic times by giving you that respite. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the sheer like force of the vocal singing it kind of blocks everything out it's because it ends up being like this wall of sound and when you get when you get it into your head and into your ears you kind of can just relax into it which is you know I, th I think can be really effective uh when you think about how music can change your your mood and your perspective so um, 
So I, I would I would throw this one on there. I'd probably throw it on towards the end as like a nice like capstone of a playlist. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, it was a pretty cool song. I hope I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious that I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, so those are those are our six selections for this unconventional Christmas music list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, before we close things out, I would like to ask our listeners a question. If you have any unconventional Christmas favorites, uh, go ahead and pop over to our Instagram and com- comment on the post for, for the episode. It'd, it'd be nice to, uh, you know, hear about some that, that we may have forgotten or are completely new to us. And uh, as we close, we'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice, New Year's, uh, whatever it is that you do this time of year. We hope it's fun and enjoyable for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep on the lookout for new episodes coming in January. And a uh, sincere thank you from the both of us for, for spending 2022 or part of your 2022 listening to our little show. Yes, indeed. And uh, I am very thankful for our listeners for you uh it's always a lot of fun to listen to new stuff find new music and talk about it with with you and our listeners so i hope they appreciate it uh because i definitely appreciate doing it for them so with that i think we've done it dan and uh we'll see you in 2023 it's crazy crazy year that we're getting to (laughs) yeah for for sure Uh, Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin, and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.